Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We're in a huge battle, and that battle has different dimensions to it. There's the dimension that is spiritual in the sense that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a battle with demonic forces. We're in a battle with the world, the system of the world that is opposed to God. But then you know where our biggest battle is? Our biggest battle is right in our own hearts. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, in a message titled, Loving Jesus First. Now, here's Pastor Brian. There's a fierce loyalty when there is real love. There's a a deep commitment. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That same kind of love, that deep, fervent love that we will share amongst ourselves as human beings, that's the kind of love that he's talking about us having for him. Now, it's not that they had completely abandoned their love for Christ. He doesn't say, you don't love me anymore. He says, you've left your first love. And what he's referring to is that their love no longer had the fervency, depth, or meaning it once held. That's the thing. You would ask a person in the church of Ephesus, do you love the Lord? Oh, of course I love the Lord. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, look at, look at all the stuff I do for the Lord. I'm involved in this ministry, and I give to that cause, and I'm committed and devoted to the, the truth of the gospel. Well, of course I love the Lord, but yet there was something that was missing, nevertheless, from the perspective of Jesus, the fervency, the depth, the meaning. And as we see, this was and is unacceptable to Jesus. So now he gives the word of correction. And he says this, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. So what happens if we find ourselves as we think about this whole idea of that first love and we find that, yes, indeed, we have grown cold. If we find that as a church collectively, if I find that in my own heart individually, that, yes, you know, I have to confess, I have to admit that although I'm still very much engaged in all of these kinds of activities for Jesus, I have to say that my, my love for him is not what it was at one time. What do I do? Well, Jesus said the first thing is we need to remember what it used to be like. In Jeremiah chapter 2, the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel, he said this, and I think this is sort of just sort of the Old Testament perspective on the same thing. The Lord said, I remember you the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown, Israel was holiness to the Lord. God speaking to Israel, he says, look, I remember those days when you loved me. I remember those days when you, you had a deep passion for me. And of course, there God is calling them to remember as well. And that's the same thing. Jesus is saying to us, remember. So we look back 
Maybe we look back congregationally and we think of a time perhaps as a congregation. Maybe there was just a a greater sense of love for Jesus among us. And even though it was a bit intangible in the sense that you you couldn't exactly describe what it was, you you could just feel it. There's an atmosphere of love. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe just in our own lives, we look back and we think, you know, there was a time when my love for Jesus was stronger, when my, my passion for him, my, my fervency for him, when I wanted to, my, my deep desire was to be with him and to, and to know him better. I spent more time just delighting in him. I was willing to sacrifice anything for him. I was committed to him personally and seeking to honor him by being faithful to him. Those things that we might look back over. Remember, he said, from where you have fallen. And so we must remember where we were. And then secondly, he said, repent. And repent means to change, means to change your mind, which leads to a change in behavior or a change in activity. And then he says this, he says, return. Remember from where you have fallen, repent and go back and do those things. Now here's where it gets a little bit tricky. So go back and do what things? Well, the things that we need to go back and do, the Ephesian church was still doing. They were laboring for the Lord. Obviously, they were in fellowship together. They were holding fast to sound doctrine. They were studying the scriptures. They were obviously people who prayed. They were people who shared the gospel. So when we say, remember from where you've fallen, go back and do the first things, here's the here's the distinction. It's not just doing the things, but it's doing them with a heart that is first and foremost driven by love for Jesus. Because obviously we are seeing right here, we could do all of those things, but our heart still isn't the right, in the right place. So this comes back to personal devotion. This is the way back. The way back is to personally re-engage with Jesus in a way that all of the activities that you're presently doing, but maybe just going through the motions doing, you go back and stop and say, wait a second. I'm, I'm reading this Bible, not just so I can have more Bible knowledge, but no, I'm reading this Bible so I can get closer to Jesus, so I can see him better, and so I can love him in a greater way. I'm praying not just so I can get things accomplished in my own life or even in the the bigger, you know, cause of Christ in the world. I'm praying not just for that, but I'm praying so that I can experience a deeper, more intimate communion with Christ. And you see those things that we do, whether it's Bible reading or prayer or worship, I'm worshiping not just out of a routine, but I'm consciously, intentionally expressing my thanks and praise and love to Jesus as I'm worshiping. And then I'm obeying him. 
and I'm obeying him not out of fear of retribution for disobedience, but I'm really obeying him as an expression of commitment and loyalty to him. You see, so the solution is really a heart issue. That's the thing we have to see. The solution is a heart issue. Because the reality is we can be doing all the things that cause it to look from the outside like, you know, we're, we're, we're in great shape spiritually. But the, the truth of the matter is we might not be. So it's all about personal devotion. It's all about getting back to the motive for the things that we do is love for Jesus. That's why we do it. That's why I meditate on the Bible. That's why I pray. That's why I worship. That's why I obey. That's why I share the gospel. I do it all because of love for Jesus. That's, that's where Jesus wants us to be. That's what he's talking about here as he gives this, this word going back and doing the first works. And then he gives a warning for those who would fail to do that. He said, if that does not happen, he said, do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. And again, remember, Jesus is the one, he's walking in the midst of the lampstand. That means he's present in the church. What he's saying is if you don't, return to that place where you're loving me first, I'm not going to come to your church anymore. That's what he's saying. I won't be there. A church without Jesus is not a church that I want to go to. But that's, that's the warning. And listen, the truth of the matter is there are many churches like this. And I'm not saying that we are exempt ourselves. I mean, maybe to some degree, we have become like this as well. We have a long history as a church. And we have a long history of a lot of good works and a long history of of orthodoxy and commitment to sound biblical doctrine. And we have a long history of, you know, we are in it for the cause of Christ. We want to spread the gospel. But could it be that we as a church have lost that first and most important thing, just that, that simple love for Jesus. Because it is true that this does happen. And I would go as far as to say it happens to everybody at some point in time, hopefully briefly, but it, but it just happens to us because our hearts have that tendency to grow cold at times. So we've got to be aware that this is a reality that all of us can experience. And we've got to just do we, we have to just keep going back to doing things with the right motive in order to keep us from drifting into that place. And if we do drift toward a place of coldness and hardness in our heart, we, we catch ourselves. We, we uh, recognize that. And then we just say, you know, Lord, forgive me. I mean, I, I've had to do that so many times. You know, there are times when I'm ostensibly worshiping but I'm, I'm singing, I'm lip syncing anyway, the, you know, uh, the words to the songs. But my, my brain is somewhere completely different. And, and there are times when I suddenly have to stop and say, okay, wait a second, what am I doing? And I have to repent. Lord, forgive me. 
for not focusing on you. Forgive me for not really engaging you with my heart right now. I mean, there's times even, you know, we, we all, all can have these things. Doesn't mean, mean necessarily that we've drifted to this place, but, but these, are, these are dangers that we just have to continue to contend against. But uh, I'll have times where, you know, I'm reading through my Bible, my, my devotions, and I will read an entire chapter, and then I'll suddenly think, what in the world did I just read? And I'll realize, you know, I've thought about 10 different things during the reading of this chapter, and none of them had anything to do with what I was reading. And your, your, your mind just goes off and wanders. So those, you know, those temptations are there. And those battles are there. We have to fight against it. We have to recognize that Jesus wants us to be engaged with him because if we want to just be religious, if we want to just go through the motions, he will let us. He will not attend our church. That's what he says. And we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen collectively, congregationally, and we certainly don't want that to happen in our lives either. So just know this, when he's talking about removing the the lampstand from its place, this is not talking about individual Christians losing their salvation or falling from God's grace. Rather, it means that this church will lose its ability to shed the light of the truth. You see, no matter how hardworking, orthodox, or persevering the church may be, if it loses its first love, it will cease to have an illuminating impact on the world. And what's true of the church collectively is true of us as well. So the warning applies to us personally. You see, when we leave our first love and fail to heed the call to return, all the love that is in us due to the presence of Christ, it just evaporates. See, we don't, we don't have that love in us naturally. It's there because of the presence of Jesus and of that ongoing love relationship with him. When we move away from that, it just dries up. And as that happens, we are just going through the religious motions and we lose any beauty or any power within us to impact the world around us. And so remember, he said, and be warned that this cannot go on. I was reading in John 15 this week and the familiar verses there, Jesus likens the relationship between his people and him as a vine and the branches. And he says, abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And of course, the the picture there, obviously, between the vine and the branches, there's a, a very intimate connection, right? And so that's what Jesus is talking about. That we would maintain that intimate connection. Now, having said all of this to them, he comes back, interestingly, with another word of encouragement. Verse six, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It's almost like, it's almost like Jesus knows that this is going to sting. 
And so he comes back with, with a little word of encouragement. You know, I would imagine that for the Ephesian church that they were pretty shocked by the letter. I would imagine that they would have thought that the, that the evaluation of Jesus of their church was going to be a little bit different. I would imagine that they would have thought that, you know, we're going to get a pretty good evaluation back from the Lord had they known that he was going to evaluate. And I think they were probably stunned but obviously convicted that, yes, this is true. But then he comes back just as a way of encouragement. Let me just tell you, you guys hate something that I hate. That's a good thing. The deeds of the Nicolaitans. What were the deeds of the Nicolaitans? Nobody knows for sure, but it's two Greek words. It means to to rule over or to dominate the people. And it seems like this was maybe the idea that there was a hierarchy within the church, the the division between uh, clergy and laity began here, where there was this idea that there was a, a, a superior group of people in the church. The leaders were more spiritual, closer to God, and the, the average person needed to look to them and said it to the Lord. Seems like that's probably what's being referred to here. Jesus says, I hate it. And they hated it too. So that, that was a good thing. So he gives them that commending word. But then as in all of the letters to the churches, he closes with a word of promise. And he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. So at the end of each letter, Jesus takes it from the, the congregational perspective and he brings it down to the personal. You see, in the end, we are all personally responsible to make sure that we respond to the exhortation of Jesus. Even if the church collectively does not respond properly, we still need to do that. And so he brings it down to let he or she, let the person who has an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So if a person finds themselves in a church that Jesus has issues with, and the church decides, well, you know, we don't care, we're not going to deal with it, we're not going to fix it, that person personally has to make sure that they are not complicit in that. So it brings it down to a personal thing. But then Also, finally, and this is the last point I want to make, is he speaks in each one of these to the overcomers. And what these letters remind us of, and we should not forget, is that we are in a big battle. And the road to heaven is fraught with many dangers. And we have to always be on our guard. We're in a huge battle, and that battle has different dimensions to it. There's the the dimension that is spiritual in the sense that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're, We're in a battle with demonic forces. We're in a battle with the world, the system of the world that is opposed to God and insisting on doing things the the complete opposite of the way that God says to do them and trying to impose upon us, trying to impose upon everybody that, you know, you've got to follow suit. But then you know where our biggest battle is? Our biggest battle is right in our own hearts. See, that's the problem. We found the enemy 
and realized that it was us. We are the problem. And so we can't forget that it is a battle and we must always be on our guard. And the first place to guard is our hearts from growing cold or indifferent to our Savior. That's where it all starts. We've got to guard our hearts. And here's the truth. If you stoke the fires of love for Jesus, you will do well. None of these other things will, in the end, ever be able to latch on and and remain with us. As long as we continue to stoke the fires of love for Jesus. And so how do we do that? Again, we, we be with him, truly. We be with him in our Bible reading. We be with him in prayer. We be with him in worship. Be, we be with him in service that we never lose sight. Or, or if we start to lose sight, we always get back to that place of remember, no, this is about Jesus. This is about him as a person who is living, who loves me, who shed his blood for me, who died in my place. See, we need to constantly make that personal and remember that when we think of the cross, that that cross was all about you and me personally. Jesus was dying in our place. He was showing the, the greatest demonstration of love imaginable, laying down his life for his friends. And we want to reciprocate. We want to give that same love back. So, Meditate on God's word and remember that in doing that, you're ultimately there to engage with Jesus. Pray and remember that in doing that, you're ultimately there to engage with Jesus. Worship and remember that as you're doing that, you're ultimately there to express your love and appreciation to him. And of course, obey him because in that you're showing him that you are committed to him, that you are loyal And as you go about expanding the kingdom, spreading the gospel, just always remember it's about Jesus. It's easy to get hung up. Everybody's different, but you know, you get hung up on so many things, church things, theological things. I've known people who love theology. They love it so much. They just, they, they want to know it inside out and they want to argue about it and contend for it. And yet, they don't really love Jesus. They like the ideas that, that spring from what Jesus did for us, but they don't necessarily love Jesus. We don't want to be like that. God help us. For the month of June... Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Are you struggling to recognize the hand of God during difficult seasons of life? If you need a fresh reminder of God's presence in your present circumstances, or if you know someone who does, then you need to get this book. The Myth of Coincidence chronicles John Bonner's story of God's faithfulness and is full of devotional insights, scripture, and sections for reflecting upon how God is at work in your life. Dispel the myth of coincidence in your own story. Get this book today. The book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. 
So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.